Hi there, I'm Sue Alphys from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 175. And today, I want to talk about starting unschooling. As well, I have something that I felt very excited about that I want to share with you. And I want to talk to you about the structure of this podcast. Along the way, I will probably have other things that I'm going to touch upon. But first, the thing that I'm feeling very excited about. Well, a couple of hours ago, I hosted a Zoom meeting first time hosting a meeting and I have to admit that I was quite scared about doing it. In our unschooling community a couple of weeks ago, or it might only have been one week, I don't know, I put forward this idea that we could meet up via Zoom. I think I was feeling excited about the Zoom call that I had had for the Homeschooling Global Summit. I was on a bit of a high from that. I'd joined that meeting and had been interviewed for the summit. And I thought, well, look, this isn't so bad. I can do this. Perhaps I can host a Zoom meeting of my own. Well, of course, hosting a meeting and joining a meeting are two different things. But I thought, look, every time I step outside my comfort zone, I learn something new and it always feels good afterwards. So perhaps I'll do it. So in our community, I created a post about the Zoom meetup. Friday morning, 9am Sydney time, I said. And I wondered if anybody would stop by and say that they wanted to come, Yeah, if they would want an invitation. I guess part of me thought, if nobody wants an invitation, then I'm let off the hook. I don't have to do it. Because I've been thinking about doing this for a very, very long time. It took me a very long time to get to the stage where I publicly said, I will do a Zoom meetup. But some people did want to join me to talk about unschooling or just to have a chat. And so that's what we did this morning. I spent a while getting my computer ready, making sure my webcam was at the right optimal height, made sure there was plenty of light. I had a look in the mirror. Fortunately for me, the meeting was at 9am, so it hadn't been long since I'd been through the shower, done my hair, put a bit of makeup on. I was looking okay. Well, as okay as I can look. I hadn't actually been out in the wind and walk the dogs because when that happens, I come back with my hair in a tangle and I don't look quite so presentable. But first thing in the morning is the best time for me. So I sat down and shaking a little thinking, oh, you know, I'm doing this Zoom meeting. Somebody wanted to join. I admitted them in to the Zoom meeting and we began. And it was okay. It was really good, actually. I got to see and hear a lot of the people that I have been communicating with online via just words, people's typed words. 
now I can imagine people's voices next time I'm reading those words. It was really lovely. So anybody who's listening to this podcast who also joined me for the Zoom meetup this morning, I want to give you a big thank you. I really enjoyed meeting you. There were a couple of things that amazed me. One person was in a car while she was talking to us and then she got out of the car and was walking around and somebody else joined us who was also on her daily walk wherever she was going doing whatever she had to do and they were joining in with our conversations and I thought I spent a long time trying to set up everything perfectly this morning and they are doing things on the go. Isn't that remarkable that some people are so comfortable with Zoom that they can join the meeting and chat and continue doing whatever they have to do? Yes, I'm not quite as comfortable doing that, but you never know. I could get really good at this. Well, really good at setting up the technology. I think I've got a little way to go to learn how to be a perfect host. I think the beginning of the meeting was a bit disjointed as different people came and we introduced each other and then we all sat thinking, what do we say next? But people got talking eventually and our meeting actually ran over time. But before we uh, left each other, before I ended the meeting, I spoke about future meetings. Did anybody want to meet again? And people do. So this was the first Zoom meetup of a number of them. We are going to meet maybe twice a month. And maybe we'll have some topics, particular things that we want to talk about each time. Today's meeting was very relaxed, just introducing ourselves and just seeing where the conversation led us. But I think that it would be helpful to have a topic to structure our conversation around and maybe that would be attractive to people who do want to talk about particular aspects of unschooling. If they knew that we were talking about, for example, trust ahead of time, they might rearrange their schedule so that they can join us. At the end of each meeting, I'm quite happy to stick around a bit longer if I don't have to go anywhere. And we can talk about general things, just have a bit of chit chat, talk about anything that anybody really wants to talk about, which is off topic. And maybe we can start our meetings with some kind of question, some kind of icebreaker, maybe something like sharing a moment from our past week, sharing something positive, sharing something we have noticed. Just something that everybody can speak about to begin with, just so that we get relaxed before we dive into whatever topic we have planned to discuss. Now, I have created a post in our unschooling community about this morning's Zoom meetup. So I'm hoping that people will stop by and uh, add their thoughts, add their ideas for future topics time zones, what time should we meet, is the second and the fourth Fridays of each month Sydney time suitable. For most people that will be the second and the fourth Thursdays of each month. 
because we are ahead of most people in time, apart from my friends in New Zealand. Yes, they are on the leading edge of time. So if you belong to my community and would like to meet up via Zoom and have some real conversations, see people face to face, then please look out for the notice for the next meetup. And if you don't belong to my community but you like the sound of meeting up, then please join. I will leave a link in the show notes. At the moment, it's free for anybody to join our unschooling community. Having Zoom meetings linked to a community also keeps them private. We can chat about things in between times, but it is a private community and I won't be recording the meetings so that anything we share during our time online together, it stays private. There's no way other people can hear or watch what we've been discussing. Actually, I did record this morning's meetup by mistake. I will have to look at my Zoom settings. As I said, this is the first time that I've hosted a meeting and I had no intention of recording the meeting. But when we, when we got to the end, somebody said, I think you've been recording the meeting. So I have deleted it. There is no way that anybody is going to have access to our video this morning. A couple of our older children were there in the background as we were talking, including my daughter, Sophie. She had a day off work today. I deliberately had this meeting on a day when she was at home because I thought if I get into any difficulties uh, technology-wise, she'll be able to rescue me. But I surprised myself. I did it all by myself. So yes, I have learned a new skill. But anyway, back to our older children who were in the background. I think that it would be lovely if sometimes our older teens, young adults joined us for our meetings. Maybe people will have some questions that they would like to ask Sophie, for example. She said that she's happy to answer questions as long as people give her the questions ahead of time. Yes, I know what it's like to be put on the spot when you don't know what people are going to ask you. Your anxiety levels do go up. So I think that's all I want to say about the Zoom meetups. something else that happened online recently and this is to do with the structure of this podcast. If you've been to my blog recently you might have noticed that I have a podcast player right at the bottom of every page. It's just a little bar sitting there at the bottom with the latest episode of this podcast. I guess that's an easy way to listen to the latest episode. If you don't subscribe to my podcast, you don't have to go hunting through my blog for it. Anyway, I got the player from Pat Flynn. It's called Fusebox. I used some information from Pat Flynn's blog to set up the podcast player. And while I was on his blog, I noticed that he'd recorded a webinar about repurposing podcast content. 
So I had to listen to the first part of it. I was going to listen to it all, but I got distracted. But the bit I was listening to was very, very helpful. Pat Flynn was talking about making a podcasting plan. He said that he gets together with his team once a quarter and they map out all the podcasts for that time period so that he knows ahead of time what he's doing. He said that it's not a good idea just to podcast as we go, just making it up every week. I mean, that's what I do. I get up on a Friday morning or if I'm lucky and I've planned ahead, maybe Thursday, and I think, what am I going to talk about this week? And then some weeks I think, oh, I don't know. I haven't got anything that I really feel inspired to share. So I don't make a podcast. So I can see why not having a plan doesn't work. Sometimes it does. Sometimes, like this morning, I had something exciting that I want to share. But I've actually planned the rest of the podcast as well. This isn't a podcast that I've just got up this morning and thought, look, I'll just sit down and see what happens. What have we done this week? What story could I share? No, I made a plan because after watching the first part of that webinar, I thought to myself, perhaps I should have a plan. My first thought was, no, I can't have a plan because how do I plan? I mean, planning is very unschooly and it's hard to pin myself down to do particular things. I wouldn't know what to write in a plan. So I thought about it a bit longer and then I thought I need something to structure my podcast around. Similar to what I'm doing on my blog at the moment, the A to Z blogging challenge, writing blog posts beginning with different letters of the alphabet. That hasn't proved as easy as I imagined. I'm going very slowly and sometimes I can't think of a topic, but I do know what I'm supposed to be doing. So I thought, what kind of structure could I give this podcast at least for the next few weeks? I thought about my book discussion club in my community where we're discussing radical unschool love. And I know what I'm supposed to be doing there. Yes, we're working through the book one section at a time. So I thought perhaps I can structure my podcast around Curious Unschoolers, my first unschooling book. Perhaps we could start at the beginning of unschooling and work our way through it. The beginning of unschooling. Well, you know what I mean. Start with some basics and then work our way through some of the more popular topics such as rules and freedom and trust and maybe even homeschool record keeping. So what I'm going to do is share one story each week from Curious Unschoolers. And then because that might not be interesting enough for people who are very familiar with my book, I'm also going to share a story from my blog on a similar topic. So I hope that sounds okay. As well as the two stories, I will include some news in each episode and anything else that captures my attention. For example, at the end of this podcast, I am going to remind you about the Homeschooling Global Summit, which begins on Monday, Monday the 29th of June. If I forget to do that, Look, I've already done it.
So if you are a long-time listener of this podcast, you will know that I have already shared stories from curious unschoolers from the first three parts of the book. So I don't want to go back and repeat what I have already recorded. If you haven't heard those stories, you can find them in episode 151, Stories from Curious Unschoolers. I have also shared a few other stories. I have just dipped into the book here and there and shared the odd story in various podcasts over the last year. So I hope I don't repeat myself. I'm getting rather confused about the stories that I have already read out to you and recorded. I don't want people to think, oh look, she's already told that story once, now she's told it for a second time, or maybe even three times. So I do apologize if you have already heard some of the stories that I intend to share with you over the next few weeks. So the parts of Curious Unschoolers that I have already shared are the introduction, a general introduction to the book, and part two is an introduction to unschooling. Part three is what unschooling looks like. And then part four is starting unschooling. And that's where I want to start today. Now, the story that I have chosen from the book is Time to Unschool, and I do think that I have shared this story somewhere in this podcast. I'm not exactly sure which episode, but I hope you enjoy it again, and if you do remember it and don't want to listen, it's quite easy to skip over it if you are using a podcast app that supports podcast chapters. Because you might remember that I am dividing this podcast into chapters. They are a little bit like chapters in a book. You just click onto the chapter that you want to listen to, and automatically you're taken to that point in the episode. I also add images to my podcast chapters if there is an appropriate image to add. For example, when I'm sharing blog post stories, I do include the blog post image. So if you look down at your phone while you're listening, every time a new chapter begins, you might see a new image. Wouldn't it be funny if I spend all that time dividing my podcast episodes into chapters and nobody realizes, so nobody actually sees the images or uses this function. I guess I should advertise it a bit more often. On to today's stories. The first one is called Time to Unschool, and it comes from part four, Starting Unschooling, and it's from my book, Curious Unschoolers. Jim Rose, who was seven, had a loose front tooth. Every spare moment, she put her fingers in her mouth and wiggled and twisted and turned that little tooth. Soon it was hanging by a thread. At lunchtime, two days ago, it finally fell out after one bite of her sandwich much to my youngest daughter's delight and relief. She presented it to me on the palm of her hand. 
as if it were a trophy, as if she'd achieved something tremendous. And, of course, we all congratulated her and shared in her happy moment. You can write a blog post about your tooth, Imogen suggested. You'll need some photos, Sophie added. I'll get the camera. Gemma Rose obligingly opened her mouth wide in a huge grin. Snap, snap. We captured this childhood milestone forever. Gemma Rose looks so cute. My mother's heart goes soft and gooey looking at her. I just want to pick her up and hug and kiss her. So what's all this got to do with unschooling? We have been homeschooling since 1992. That sounds like a long time, doesn't it? However, it doesn't feel that way. It seems like only yesterday that we began homeschooling our first child. And soon, perhaps the day after tomorrow, the adventure will be over. Before we know it, our youngest child, Gemma Rose, will be all grown up and setting off into the wide world to live a life of her own. Our daughter Felicity sometimes describes herself as the guinea pig child. I know what she means. I was the oldest child in my family too. Yes, Felicity's upbringing and the way we homeschooled her was a bit of an experiment. I remember the day we brought Felicity home from the hospital. I gathered her in my arms, that tiny, tightly wrapped bundle of newborn baby, and I walked out through the hospital doors rather hesitantly, expecting to be stopped at any moment. Excuse me, madam, but we can't just let you walk out of here with that baby. Where's your experience? Do you know how to bring up a baby? She's too precious to be given to just anyone. But of course, no one stopped me. Felicity belonged to us, and it was our job to discover the best way of raising her. We did our best, and she survived the first five years, despite our rather bumbling style of parenting. And then the day arrived when we had to consider her education. We decided not to send our daughter to school. Surely we could teach her at home. Of course, in the beginning, we didn't know much about homeschooling. Like parenting, we had to learn about it on the go. I think about those up and down years as we tried to gain experience and confidence and find the best way to educate our children. It wasn't easy. Quite often I felt so stressed out trying to do what was right for my children. I had to be not only the best mother, but the best homeschooling mother too. And I didn't really know how I was to achieve that. At times, I felt such a sense of responsibility. I felt as if I were carrying a huge burden. There were days when I'd crack. If you don't do your schoolwork, if you don't learn this or that, if you don't try, I will send you to school. I can't take any more. I'd rush out the back door and sit on the garden wall, my head pounding, my heart racing. I'd kept my children home so we could enjoy each other, so that I could give the best to them. And some days, we didn't enjoy anything at all. The baby would cry, the toddler was demanding, 
and I didn't seem to have the energy to encourage the older ones along to make them do the work I thought they should be doing. I didn't enjoy feeling so tired and helpless and frustrated. I felt I was failing both as a mother and a homeschooling parent. Was it worth it? Should I just carry out my threat and send my children to school? But I couldn't quite do it. I knew this job of raising and educating my children was mine alone, and I had to find a way that worked. After some time sitting on my sun-drenched wall trying to calm down, with my children peering anxiously out the window at their dragon mother, I'd return and force a smile on my face, saying, Grab the picnic basket and make some sandwiches. We're going bushwalking. Worried expressions would instantly disappear, and everyone would fly around the kitchen, gathering the necessary supplies. Part of me would think, You should make them return to the work they didn't complete. What kind of lesson are you teaching them? But most of me didn't care. I just wanted to forget all the problems, leave them behind at home, and set out on an adventure. Soon we'd be tramping down the bush tracks, taking turns carrying the baby and swinging the toddler along, and I would look at my kids with love and think, this is what it's all about. Joy had returned to the day. I'd come home thinking, I want to homeschool my children, but I don't want to fight with them. They won't learn anything in an atmosphere of conflict, and our relationships will be ruined. We are a family, and a family should be a place of love, joy, encouragement, support, and peace, as well as a place of growth and learning. Gradually, I was discovering what was important, and bit by bit, I rejected anything that led us away from that close and happy relationship that I knew was the most valuable thing in the world. I realized that a lot of what was causing our conflict was other people's expectations and timetables. My children had to do this, that, and the other. Not because it fulfilled their needs, but because someone, not very important, expected them to achieve this or that. Worse, sometimes this or that had to be achieved by a particular age. And sometimes I brought trouble upon myself. I simply wanted my children to do certain things to impress certain not very important people. Also, our homeschooling routine didn't take into account the needs of our little people. Either I taught the older children or I looked after the younger ones. I couldn't seem to do both at the same time. But we learn with prayer and time and experience. Eventually, I let go of all those expectations imposed on us from outside. I learned to listen to my children and trust. Our children are learning, but not at the expense of our family relationships. And so here we are, many years later, our last child seven years old, and my problem these days isn't finding a method that works for our family. No, our problem is time. Time that passes so quickly. 
the day after tomorrow will arrive very soon and my homeschooling days will be over. So I have to make every moment count. I have to live for today and enjoy every minute. And how I wish I could have had the confidence to do that with our first child. What should we do this morning? I ask my younger two girls. They look longingly at the book that's lying on the coffee table. Could you start ballet shoes, Mum? I remember this old childhood friend and settle on the sofa with my youngest daughter snuggled up to me. Soon we are absorbed in the tale with me reading and an occasional question from Gemma Rose. What's a fossil, Mum? I come to the end of the first chapter. Oh, couldn't you read just a bit more, Mum? Please. Both girls have pleading looks on their faces. Who could resist? Later my throat dry and my voice scratchy, I finally close the book. And Gemma Rose smiles. She opens her mouth wide and I see the gap where once she had a tooth. She looks so cute. I just want to hug her and kiss her. I think about time and how it passes so quickly. Soon I won't have a little girl. And I reach out and I pull Gemma Rose onto my lap and close my eyes. And I enjoy. And that's my story time to unschool. That was an old story from when my youngest daughter Gemma Rose was seven. And I said that tomorrow will come very quickly. And tomorrow has arrived. Gemma Rose is now 16. Officially, she has another year or so where she could be called a homeschooler. She will always be an unschooler. But homeschooling, yes, my days as a homeschooling mother are just about over. I do spend time with Gemma Rose, but mostly in the evenings and on her days off work these days. Yes, Gemma Rose, as I told you in a previous podcast, is working quite a lot at the moment and our long leisurely days of sharing learning together are over. And how I am so glad that I did let go and unschool. I'm glad that we slowed down and I was able to extract every moment of joy that I possibly could from those years with my children. Yes, we stopped battling. We stopped fulfilling other people's expectations. And also, I let go of my own expectations. Because we do have them, don't we? Even though we say that other people expect our kids to do this, that, or the other, even if those people weren't around, there are certain things that we do expect from our kids. How did it all work out? Nine years after I wrote that story, it has worked out perfectly. I have no regrets. That's the thing, isn't it? People say that it is useless to have regrets because we can't go back. But still, some part of us does yearn sometimes to go back and start all over again. 
So if you are thinking about unschooling, I would encourage you to just take one step, one step outside your comfort zone. You don't need to do things all at once, but just take a step in the right direction. My second story is called There Has Never Been a Better Time to Start Unschooling and it comes from my blog Stories of an Unschooling Family and I wrote it fairly recently in March and you will be able to tell that from the things that I wrote about because yes, COVID-19 makes an appearance in this story. When I was being interviewed by Daniel Prince Last week for the Homeschooling Global Summit, we talked about how around the world there are a lot of schools still closed. And I tend to forget that because my husband's a school teacher, but schools here in New South Wales, Australia are all back to normal. But yes, other countries aren't so fortunate. Kids are still at home. Aren't so fortunate. I mean that from the point of view of the virus affecting everybody's lives. Other people have restrictions that we're not living under. As far as having children at home, though, I don't think that's unfortunate at all. It's a wonderful opportunity to spend time with kids and to grow close and to consider alternatives to school. Sometimes difficult times turn out to have a positive aspect to them. I wonder how many people will actually start homeschooling because of COVID-19. But on to my story. There has never been a better time to start unschooling. Have you ever thought about unschooling but have hesitated? Maybe you haven't quite been able to do it. What if things don't go well? What if your kids get behind while you're experimenting? Will you regret your decision to give unschooling a go? Even though I think there's no reason to be concerned, unschooling is a fantastic way to learn, I do understand why you might be worried. It's hard to try something new, isn't it? It's difficult to step off the well-travelled path. It could feel safer to stick with the crowd. Recently, I've been thinking about the crowd. Things have changed since the world was hit by the coronavirus pandemic. Schools have closed. With children now at home, teachers are concerned that their students won't learn everything in this year's school plan. Maybe these kids will have to repeat a year of school. So it's very unlikely that any homeschooled kids will get behind their school peers. And this is good news if you'd like to try unschooling. Your kids won't miss out on anything while you're experimenting. There isn't anything to miss out on. You're free to investigate, to explore, to try things out without any pressure. And that's not all the good news. I think that once you get started, you will be surprised by how much your kids are learning. But how do you get started? How about beginning with your life? What is happening around you? 
What are you doing each day? Let's start with the biggest thing that's on people's minds at the moment. Are you reading the online news for the latest coronavirus updates? Are you watching news programs and videos? I'm sure you and your family are talking about the current crisis. Have your kids asked you about viruses, epidemics and pandemics? Did you do some Googling? Perhaps you watched some videos on YouTube. Have you looked at maps together to see where the virus started? Where exactly is China? How far across the world has the virus spread? Which countries have been affected the most? Have you talked about social distancing and other practices that might help limit the spread of the coronavirus? What about vaccines? How do they work? When will one be developed for the coronavirus? When was the last time the world faced a big health scare? Do you remember the bird flu? Let's go further back in history. Our family has talked about the plague. And how about the Spanish flu? And have you done any real-life maths recently? There are loads of numbers associated with the coronavirus. There are graphs and predictions and statistics. Which country has the largest number of coronavirus cases? What percentage of each country's population is affected? How long is the quarantine period for the virus? What age group is the hardest hit? So many maths questions. And in case the numbers are worrying you and you'd rather not know about them, here's some good news. The number of people recovering from the coronavirus is larger than the number of deaths. If you're reading and talking about the coronavirus and doing nothing else, you and your children are still learning lots of science, geography, history, maths, personal health and development, and English. Maybe your rabbit trails have led you to creative arts as well. It's amazing where we sometimes end up. Perhaps your kids are young. You might want to protect them, as far as possible, from any news of the coronavirus crisis. Maybe all the facts and figures would make them anxious. Then how about using your isolation time in a different way? You could say, Shall we bake a cake? And then when it's out of the oven and ready to eat, you could say, I found a poem that I really love. Could I read it to you while we have our morning tea? Or you might ask, I could read this book. Would you like to listen? Afterwards, your kids might like a turn in the reader's chair. Or do they want to chat about the story? Or tell one of their own? And do you have any movie versions of your favourite stories? Or you could say, shall we watch a movie together? When it's over, you might say, I wonder if there are any behind-the-scenes videos on YouTube. Perhaps you could play a game. Or how about getting some craft materials out? Or you could play some music. How about using a file from the internet to print a famous painting? If you hang it on the wall, will your children stop and look at it? Do you have any jigsaw puzzles or a jigsaw app on your device? 
You could walk around your house looking for interesting things. You might be surprised what you discover on your shelves. Put everything in a place where it can be seen. Your kids might notice your strewing. And then start watching, playing, listening, experimenting, talking about. They might ask questions. You might Google. You could find yourself having fabulous conversations. While you're busy spending time together doing enjoyable things, everyone will be learning. If you have any doubts about this, write down everything you do each day in a notebook. Make a list of the books, poems, movies, documentaries, games, cooking, and other activities. Don't forget to jot down the details of the conversations you have. If you have a digital notebook, you could add maps, graphs, links to videos, book cover images, recipes, articles you read. And take some photos. You'll want to remember your unschooling experiment. Hopefully, when the coronavirus crisis is over, you'll want to continue it. It would be such a shame to move on to something else just as the restrictions are lifted and your unschooling world opens up, wouldn't it? So at the moment, if you decide to give unschooling a go, there's no need to think of it as a risky thing to do. While the school parents and teachers are trying to work out how to do school at home, not an easy job. You and your kids will be well ahead, having loads of learning adventures of your own. And then at the end of that story I added, if you need some help as you set out on your unschooling adventure, you could read my unschooling books, Curious Unschoolers and Radical Unschool Love. And then there is my stories of an unschooling family community. I created it to offer friendship, support, encouragement and information to anyone who's interested in unschooling. I'm happy to answer questions, share my experiences, offer suggestions, listen to any concerns. Together we can work things out. So, have you ever wondered about unschooling? Have you thought about doing it but haven't yet taken the first step? Well, don't wait any longer. There's never been a better time to start unschooling. Yes, the pressure is off at the moment for most people. But even once the coronavirus pandemic passes, I think that the things that I talked about in that story are still applicable. They're still helpful. Other things will be in the news. Our families will be involved in other events. We can learn from whatever is happening around us. So we could think of the pandemic as an especially rich time for learning. But life is always interesting. And if it isn't, if we think that things have got a little bit too boring, not much is going on, we can always enrich our families' lives with a little bit of strewing. Strewing, that's a topic that's in my book, Curious and Scholars, and we will be talking about that somewhere along the line. 
Looking ahead, the next part of Curious Unschoolers is called How Children Learn. I'm sure I can find a couple of stories to share on that topic with you next week. So I am coming to the end of this episode, episode 175. I hope you have enjoyed listening. I would like to thank you for listening. And all I've got left to do is to invite you to visit my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. And I must also remind you about the Homeschooling Global Summit, which begins on the 29th of June which is next Monday. I think my interview is on day five. And the summit will run until July the 8th. There will be dozens of interviews on all kinds of alternate education topics. Even if you haven't got time to listen to all the interviews, I am sure you'll find something there that is valuable and enjoyable. I have mentioned it so many times before, but I can't help myself. If you would like to join my unschooling community, Stories of an Unschooling Family, that would make me very happy. I would love to see you inside that community. Just follow the link that I will put in the show notes. And then, of course, if you are interested in my books, Curious Unschoolers and Radical Unschool Love, you can find them on Amazon as print and Kindle ebooks. So until next time, live a radical life of unconditional love. <laughs>